Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Podcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Saturday, January 15th, day 2022. Coming right up, it's the Book of Psalms, chapter 40 and 41. Don't you dare miss it. Let me tell you something about these two Psalms. They contain the glossary key for understanding of Acts chapter 10. But these two Psalms are by David, looking forward to the true David, that's to say, beloved looking forward to the true beloved, and they're about facing our mortality, future blessings. We're all going to die, there's no doubt about it. But look at these promises written in the councils of eternity in Psalms 40 and 41. These are two great Psalms. All anxieties and uncertainties stop where biblical literacy starts. This Companion Chapel podcast makes the Bible easy for you to understand and enjoyable for you to follow along. First, please consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. This is your church. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. My part is creating this Bible teaching media. Your part consists of getting involved in the church administration with your time or money contributions, managing marketing, advertising, helping with the website, helping with this podcast, whatever God given talents you have, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. This Bible teaching podcast is only possible with your donations. Give it up for God and your whole human family at CompanionChapel.com. How are you blessing others with the blessings God has given you? Who God gives much, He expects much in return. You can email me or e-transfer to email address CompanionChapel at gmail.com, Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, or e-transfer are all available on the CompanionChapel.com website. And things are getting tough around here. There's no doubt about it. It's minus 30 at night, and I don't have two nickels to rub together. I spend literally spend 10 hours a day studying and trying to put pull together these podcasts. And now, with it being so cold outside, it's getting wood in here, getting wood, and now I'm pretty much out of firewood. So if anybody wants to help me out with that firewood so I can keep bringing you these Bible teaching podcasts, the address here is number 338 side road 28-29, Paisley, Ontario, Canada. The postal code here is N0G2N0. And there's Bester's Forest Products. That's Bester's Forest Products down the road. They have firewood, but I don't have two nickels to rub together right now. And if I have to bail on this place, and I have to bail on Bible teaching. So that, that, would really, that would really blow chunks, man. Okay, let's get into this. Chapter 40 of the Great Book of Psalms. Watch this. This is so awesome. Every time I think I can just jump into a book or a Psalms or whatever, it just opens up. Like it just opens up. The more you study, the more you pray for wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, and strength from the Lord Jesus Christ, the more you see. And I go back into the Hebrew, into the etymology of this great Hebrew language, this fixed language. And I'll translate it all for you, right out of the King James here, right down to the etymology of every word. Let's go. 40, chapter 1. I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined unto me and heard my cry. This is huge, man. Huge. Waited patiently. God knows best how to eliminate all the evil that dwells in the human heart. God is not your personal butler. Like, I was street preaching down in London for a while, and people come up to me, well, I prayed, and I didn't get what I prayed for. I didn't, I didn't get it. What do you think, God's your personal butler? What do you think, he's a genie in the bottle? Like, like the way the majority of people leave their Bibles on a shelf? Like, just, oh, 
yeah, I, maybe I should pray to God for this. Like, I could use 10 grand to clear up my credit card. Yeah, if he gave you 10 grand, you'd want another 10 grand. If he started writing checks for everybody on planet Earth, then, then what would happen? Just be wanting more. The, like, the planet wouldn't sustain itself. We're too greedy. All the evil in the world comes from the human heart. People only seem to turn to God when something doesn't go their way. And then they impose double, double jeopardy on themselves by blaming God. And God's like, okay, okay, what do you think? I'm your personal genie in a bottle up here? You think you just turn to me when you, oh, when things aren't going how you perceive your way? Yeah, it does say in the Bible, ask and you shall receive. But a loving father's not going to give you something that's going to hurt you. He knows best. And these two chapters are about facing your mortality. Like it's in the mail. Dude, it's in the mail. You're going to die. And as far as the affairs of time are concerned, we're like this little life of ours, 50, 60, 70, 80 years that we survive in this flesh body, like, it's just a flicker of time. But there's so much hinging on it. And you have to get the bigger picture here. And this is what the book of Psalms 40 and 41 are talking about. He inclined unto me and heard my cry. Yeah, Proverbs chapter 28, 9, never forget. He that turneth away his ear from hearing God's law, that's God's instructions, even your prayers will be an abomination. Like when God gives people too much, they just turn away from God. Like they don't pick up their Bible, they go to the mall. They don't give thanks when they're eating. They go out to a restaurant and buy more of everything and just sit there and double fist it down. People have to give it up for God. When, when God gives people too much, that's exactly what they do. They just take credit for it. They walk away from God. I worked. It's my paycheck. I deserve to go to the mall. I deserve to buy more crap online. Well, okay, govern yourselves accordingly. Verse 2. He brought me up also out of a horrible pit, out of miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. What are we talking about here? You know, he is your rock. He is the way. He is your only stability. Compare that to miry clay. That's the ways of the world will drag you down. Payments, interest rates. Like people say, oh yeah, we've gotten rid of slavery. Let me tell you something about slavery. It's hor it was horrible, like the bad parts of slavery. Like all the evil in the world comes from the human heart. But slavery today, the employee is just another word for slavery. Like employee, if you're an employee somewhere, you're slugging it out. You're slaving it out. And you're doing it, you're chasing money till you die. That's what you're doing. And what we're talking about here is miry clay compared to uh, being established on a rock. He is your rock. Deuteronomy chapter 32. He's your only stability. Miry clay. What happens when you walk around in clay? Well, let me tell you something of all things. This is... A 77 acre piece of land here which God has allowed me and it is for the people it's for this church it's the companion chapel headquarters it's where I'm sitting right now broadcasting this no electricity no running water so I use a generator in a, to upload this but when you're walking around here and the clay gets miry if it rains and it's the thickest clay here let me tell you something it sticks to your boots and it drags you down it's like when you're trudging off to work every day, trudging through the day, trudging to make your payments, trudging to try and get ahead, trudging to thinking you deserve more, or you're just trying to make it through the day. Those are the ways of the world. It's a horrible pit. 
the ways of the world are a horrible pit, and you could get sucked right into it. He hath, let's go to three. He hath put a new song in my mouth, even praise unto our God. Many shall see it and revere and shall trust in the Lord. And I'll just add, because the new song that we see, how do you see a song? Because when we're all singing it, our victory song, written in Deuteronomy chapter 32, reiterated in Revelation chapter 15, that's our victory song. We'll sing it. We all will sing it together. And a new song that was put into David's heart was 2 Samuel 22. He tweaked it out a little bit for when he handed it to the psalmist for Psalms chapter 18. And we've gone over those recently. Our victory song. Their rock is not our rock. They find their stability in the miry clay and they will just keep putting their nose to the grindstone and keep going and going and going and going. Just get in that traffic jam and just, you're not going anywhere. Going and going and going. Just ways and things of the world. Who are you serving? You're serving the great treasure of the world, none other than Satan himself. Hey, guess what? The next, the next chapter touches on that. Verse 4. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust, and respected not the proud, nor such as turn aside to lies. Blessed is the man that maketh the Lord his trust. Trust or you won't be trusted. Now, you're blessed. That means happy. Jeremiah 17, 5, cursed is the man that trusts mankind. What are we talking about? Blessed is the man that trusts the Lord. Cursed is the man that trusts mankind. Let's use a few examples here. How many people will sit around the table now and say, I trust the science. You trust the science, eh? Let me tell you something. If science was one single, single entity, it would be brought to the Hague, put on trial for crimes against humanity. Like, just think about that. What science has done to planet Earth. A few good things for a thousand horrific things. Uh, people say, well, I want to trust the government. Mankind has a 100% failure rate in governing themselves. 100%. Every civilization, every regime, every governmental organization, whatever you want to call it. If it's outside of the Word of God, which has been every single one so far, it's a fail. Even from your kitchen table how you want to govern yourselves and govern your household. There's always disappointments and strife and contention. And then you watch things start to fall apart. Failures. Like even the little family I came from. Just, just disappointments and frustrations constantly. Good times, good times, frustration, disappointment. Didn't have this standard, consistent thought pattern of a, reason, of a higher power's reason resolve. This written word. It's consistent. It's God's thought pattern. He knows how to govern us. He created us. He loves us. Hey, guess what? I took a DNA test, and God is my father. Isn't that just awesome? He knows best. Okay? You trust the government. You trust science. Let's talk about one more thing. And this is what we're going to get to, Acts chapter 10, in the next podcast. I can't wait. It'll be a special edition, topical lesson, Acts chapter 10. Trust science. Trust the government. What about the multi-billion multi dollar meat lobby? Pork loaded with sodium nitrate. How did they get away with that? It's easy. They don't care. It's about money. It's about things. They're trying to drag people through the miry clay, get them all sick. Because sodium nitrate makes people sick. And how do they defend it? They defend it with doubt. That's all they do. They defend it with doubt. The greasy lawyers of the world 
are Satan's lawyers. Doubt is Satan's currency. Doubt is what gives Satan his power. Doubt is Satan's precious commodity. Doubt is what Satan traffics. He uses science. He uses money. He uses his spot as the schoolmaster of the global media. It is his merchandise. Doubt is Satan's way of competing with the truth. Doubt is Satan's way of competing with the truth. And that's all there is to it. Mankind has come up with a volume of knowledge that society has deemed fit for learning. It is loaded with inconsistencies, theories, pseudoscience, hypothesis, speculations, charts, books, graphs, models, which translate into doubts. Doubt is the denominator of controversy. The Word of God is permanently consistent. It answers every logical and moral objection known to mankind. God's Word is the unchanging principle, reason, resolve of a divine higher power written in the councils of eternity. It covers infinity back to this present day, infinity forward. Hey, guess what? The word uncertainty doesn't apply to a true Christian person who actually takes the time to read the Bible and seek out a remnant of truth and get a working knowledge of the Bible. And then, yeah, there is no anxiety. There is no uh, uncertainty. He told us all things. Hey, there's going to be a giant deception. And it's going to look really holy. And it's going to be like the fake, the fake false prophet type deception. It's doubt. It's Satan. Schoolmaster of the world. Sitting behind pulpits all over the world. Church is just destitute of truth. Those sugar sweet sermons. Come on. Come on. Based on human merit. Sugar-sweet sermons based on human experience. Sugar-sweet hum- sermons based on human endeavor, human entitlement. Oh, they sound good. Dude, I got suckered into that for years. Just just rolling off hundreds, man, to these super preachers. Yep, yep, sounds good, sounds good. Guess what? I opened my Bible, and I didn't know, know anything. I went to churches. I sat in the parking lot after three months. I opened my Bible, go, where's this guy been teaching? Using the Bible like a random book of quotes. Anyways, that's what you get for trusting in man. Trust in the Lord. This is his love letter to you. He loves you. He wants you back. You have to come to terms with what's inside you so he can reconcile you through the Lord Jesus Christ. He loves you. The guy suffered, man. He didn't have to come down here and do that. And we're going to learn more about that. Let's let the Bible teach it. Watch this. Verse 5. Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done. And thy thoughts, which are us word, they cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I were to declare it and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. So talk, give it up for God. You can't, how many mercies, blessings, and grace he's allowed you can't be numbered. You count your blessings. He doesn't have to allow you that. That's unmerited favor. And give thanks and humble. Humble yourself. You got the basic necessities of life then help support God's word. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word to the whole human family. Watch, we're going to start getting into the mortality part coming up in a bit. Just hang on. Okay, now watch. Here's David, and we're we're relating to the true David, our Lord Jesus Christ. David just means beloved. Six. Sacrifice and offerings thou didst not desire. My ears hast thou opened. Burn offerings and sin offerings hast thou not required. Then said I, Lo, I come in the volume of the book it is written of me. I delight to do the will. Oh my God. Are you kidding me? That's reiterated in Hebrews chapter 10. But let's just look this up here. 
I have a note on this, so just hold up and sacrifice an offering thou didst not desire. He doesn't want your burnt offerings. He doesn't want your lip service, okay? Before Christ came, that's what he said. Hey, Hosea 6.6, 6, I want your love. That's the sacrifice God wants. Your heavenly Father, Yahweh. He wants your love. It has to go through Yeshua Messiah. There's a natural order of things. You have to acknowledge what Yeshua Messiah did on the cross. The most selfless act of love and compassion beyond our present comprehension. He was up there. He was tempted and tormented. And he watched the whole human family following this guy, Satan, and his ways. Nobody went through more suffering than the Lord Jesus Christ. He took the lowest earthly position. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in him. He was innocent, not guilty. Try to comprehend what it's like to get dragged by a mob scene to be just, they start mopping the floor with you. They were pulling his beard out, smacking him. Like they, they beat him so bad he couldn't even carry his own cross. Like the humiliation. Then they nailed him to it in his underwear and left him up there to die. They nailed people to crosses and stood them up in front of others in their underwear and waited till they hung there and died. Jesus Christ took the lowest earthly position for us. He was innocent, not guilty. He did not compromise with evil. No sin penetrated him. Satan had nothing on him. Nothing. And when he laid down his life, when that blood was spilt, the covenant was made. That a kingdom of heaven now exists. It is valid. It is legit. It's bona fide. And it will not accommodate evil. Jesus Christ would not compromise with evil. He would not make negotiations with evil. He will not make concessions with evil. And nobody can, when we die, which is coming right up, everybody will meet their maker. And nobody could say, oh, Lord Jesus Christ, you don't know what it was like down there. You don't know what it was like. If Jesus Christ sinned, he would have to let that sin into the kingdom of heaven. And guess what? That would be nothing more than a new hell. And that's not going to happen. Sacrifice and offering. Okay, my ears hast thou opened. Now check this out. When this is written in the book of Hebrews, ears gets changed to body. He must change the word ears for body in which that obedience was to be accomplished. It's what Messiah said when he came into the world to perform what this psalm prophesied. That's why in the book of Hebrews, it's changed from my ears thou hast opened to, to now his body. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, only the Lord Jesus Christ. 1,000 years before David wrote this, 1,000 years before Jesus Christ came, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. From Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, writing right up into Genesis chapter 1, 14 to 18, Genesis 3, 15. And someone might say, how's Genesis chapter 1 got anything to do with the Lord Jesus Christ? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Doesn't say when. Proverbs chapter 8. In the beginning, wisdom was there. Chuck them all. Before the first Adam was formed on the, even the highest part of the dust of the earth, when the whole universe was a pulverized dust, wisdom was there. It's something God possesses. That's why it's feminine in the Hebrew. But all the verbs leading up to it are masculine. In the beginning... Our Lord Jesus Christ now has to take on a different role as our Savior. 
He's the righteous right arm of Father, the mediator to Father. He is the ministry of salvation. Put it in your mind like this. You need a new sticker for your license place? You go with the ministry of transportation. You need a new health card? Well, you go with the ministry of health. Or wherever you go. You want eternal salvation? You go to the ministry of salvation. And there's rules to get in. And there's a natural order of things. And the way out is eternal life. It's a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. You come in the volume of the book. So to you, preacher, using the Bible like a random book of quotes, what's up with that, man? Judgment starts at the pulpit. You left me biblically blind for years, too. You know, you sound good. You look holy. You're acting holy. You're ripping around town all holy. Why don't you teach your, you know what? Teach your flock the Bible. Chapter by chapter, verse by verse. It's not that hard. Listen, dude, preacher dude. You went to school and everything to be a preacher. That's why sometimes uh, preachers say, says to me, I, you never went to a seminary, Michael. Yeah, like you have no formal training. Really? I have formal training through God himself, my father. Let's go to verse 8. I delight, I delight to do thy will, O oh my God. Uh, people say to me, hey, Michael, you just finished telling people that uh, Jesus Christ never called God, God. Well, there's a huge lesson here. He didn't. Remember in, uh, when he's on the cross and he goes, Eli, Eli, lama shabbatami. Who is he saying? My God, my God, why has I forsaken me? He's teaching Psalms 22. God can't forsake God. If you don't believe Jesus Christ was God, then you think he's a liar. Okay, this is Elohim. Not the word for God. Eli is my God, my God. El, and he was God. When you see the word God here in the manuscripts, it's Elohim. And Jesus Christ is teaching us. He came in the volume of the book. These are his words, penned by David. Elohim refers to God as the creator in his functioning, operational, omnipotent effectiveness. Elohim indicates our Heavenly Father's, that's Yahweh's, omnipotent relationship to mankind and his created children. So, no, the Lord Jesus Christ never called God, God. And then, don't get me started on the Greek. It's not as good of a language as the Hebrew. But we're here right now. Let's just get on with it. Yea, thy law is within my heart. What did Jesus Christ say in Matthew chapter 5? I came not to change one jit, jot, or tittle of the law, but I came to fulfill prophecy. I came to fulfill what was written about me. He fulfilled the blood ordinances. Now, the prophecy started in Genesis 1, 14 to 18, two unique light givers, Genesis 3, 15. I will put enmity, that's hostile hatred, between your seed line, Satan, and the woman's seed line. What happened in the garden? Yeah, it was a party. I delight to do thy will, O oh my God. Makes me happy. I delight. I'm going to do it. It's in my heart. I don't do it grudgingly. I do it wantingly. No, it's not going to get me six cars and a 10-room bedroom house and a concrete driveway and a pool in the back. No, we know what our rewards are. Those things just, they'll never make you happy. It's fleeting. It's like a sugar high. It always comes after a sugar crash. Law was in my heart. This is Jesus Christ speaking anyway. When he says, I came not to change one jit or jot of the law of prophets, that means all the laws still stand. Now, in the, book, now in, the, in the New Testament, it says all the laws don't stand. Those aren't the laws 
Like the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Those are the laws of the Sadducees and Pharisees. They put on hundreds of ceremonial laws and traditions that they passed as laws. That's what those laws are. Okay, we still have to follow God's food laws. We still have to follow all the laws that are written and rightly divide the word, how they apply to each person. Now, I came not to change one jot or jittle of the law or the prophets, I came to fulfill. And that's exactly what Jesus Christ did. God's word again validates itself. God's trademark stamp of validity runs through the Bible. And there's nothing contradictory here. Man muddies up the waters. God is not the author of confusion as it's written. Verse 9, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Lo, I have not refrained my lips. O Lord, thou knowest. Jesus Christ was perfect. He was not guilty, innocent. No guile, no malice, no corruption was found in him. Father said, uh, uh, this is my son. I'm proud of him. What did he say? I forget. Anyways, I'll get back to that because it slipped my mind. 10. I have not hid thy righteousness within my heart. I have declared thy faithfulness and thy salvation. I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. The great congregation. That's all the hosts of heaven. The Bible says that one third fell and followed Satan. Where's the other two thirds? They're sitting up there watching us. Yeah, they're watching you. So think about that when you think you have all this private time. God owns time. Right, buddy? Sitting there with 19 pages of porn open while your kids are playing in the other room. God's watching. And so are all the angels. Like, that's cringingly embarrassing. God's watching what you do with your time. The great congregation, all the angels, angels leap for joy when somebody comes to repentance. Why? Because we're all part of the human family and we want to get on with the eternity. And it's not in these nagging nuisance flesh bodies. Like, we're out of here. As soon as you die, you're instantly in your, in your celestial body. These are called terrestrial bodies in the Bible. The great congregation, you want the Lord Jesus Christ to declare your name unto Father. If he doesn't, then it's another thousand-year hell period. And it's going to be way worse. Strike one was us, the one-third. Me, you, anybody that's listening. We fell. And we are the cause of this flesh age. We had to be born once through the matrix, innocent of woman. To come to terms with what's inside of us that was contradictory to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. The universe is a place of peace. It's not a place where, okay, we're going to settle over here and then we're going to look at our neighbors over there. Yeah, maybe we need some guns pointed at them. Let's put some fences up. Yeah, let's look down on them, start pointing our fingers at them. Oh, let's set up a country here. Yeah, well, this is my sovereign spot. That's your sovereign spot. It's not like that in heaven. Look what mankind's done. Look what free will man has done down here. We can govern ourselves. That's what we said. That's what we said. And Satan said, hey, I will be your God. I will sit most high. Isaiah chapter 14, read it for yourself. Verses 12 to 14 is what Satan thinks. And God said, okay, go for it. You know what? You can be prince of the air, of that little planet down there. Earth, okay? And that's the only way evil is going to run itself out. It'll kill itself. Evil destroys itself. The wicked will destroy the evil. Hatred, greed, gluttony always eats people up from inside, and that's what's going to happen. It destroys itself. Jealousies, envies, attitudes of obscene entitlement over others. Look at planet Earth now. Think mankind can govern themselves? We have more nuclear warheads pointed at each other. There's nowhere on planet Earth that doesn't have some kind of weapon that's either pointed at them or can be pointed at them within a matter of seconds. Nowhere. 
That's mankind. That's, that's what mankind has done. You think it's like that up in heaven? Absolutely not. God has to destroy these attitudes, and these attitudes can only be destroyed if they're destroyed from within, from, e- from within each free will entity. Me, you, buddy across the street, person at work, doesn't matter who it is. It's individual. You have to come to terms with what's inside you, and that takes a lot of humbling, and it takes a lot of honesty. You have to be honest with yourself. One of the funniest things, it's not even funny, it's sad. I used to know a person. I was sweet on her, big time. She always tell me, you know, I'm a good person, Michael. She turned out to be the worst person ever. Ever. Just selfish, conniving, backstabbing. Just like, well, you know, at God, then she would say, I pray for her. I pray for her. There's no doubt about it. Because I pray for the whole human family. I want us all to enter the kingdom of heaven and sing for joy for Father again and be pleasing to Him and to glory Him. But if someone's like that, they're backstabbing. They don't have your best interest. Like they would rather see you fail and then sit there and go, oh, uh, you know, it's okay, Micah. Meanwhile, they sabotaged you. They're an enemy within. And that's all over the place. On a world stage, in people's households, even the Bible says, your enemies will be within your household. So be careful. If you're not sitting there around reading the Bible every night and you're sitting there watching TV, who's your master? Who's your schoolmaster? Who's your teacher? The global media. Some guy in Hollywood. Who knows what they're putting through subliminally on all those movies, TV shows. Not subliminally, like secretively, but just constantly bombarding people with falsehoods. What's beautiful, what's not beautiful? What's of value, what's not of value? You need more. It's all about progress, profit, materialism, consumerism, constant change. God's word is opposite of that. It's about love and compassion and stability. The laws within my heart. Thank you, Lord Jesus Christ. Nine, I have preached righteousness in the great congregation. Okay, declared faithfulness and thy salvation. When you see this word salvation, know what the word Yeshua Messiah means. It's a name. It means salvation of Yahweh. Yahweh is your father. Get to know his name. He's the righteous right arm of father is the ministry of salvation. He's reaching out even to, it means Yeshua Messiah. Salvation of Yahweh, the anointed one. And when it says in the last couple of chapters, when you see the word darling written in the King James Bible, that means God's soul himself the only begotten one. He put part of his soul into this Yeshua Messiah and manifest a little lower than the angels and walked amongst us, Emmanuel. And he was the living word. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and tabernacled or dwelt among us. He's your teacher, your rabbi, your master. He's your wonderful counselor. And to tie it back in, he is... Wisdom personified. He was there in the beginning before the first Adam was formed on the highest part of the dust of the earth. God's telling us, hey, I became a consciousness infinity ago. It's beyond what you can think right now in your little flesh bodies because you've been reduced and restricted to just a little bit higher, the highest on the food chain. But you have to come to terms with what's inside of you if you want to come back to a place of peace beyond your present comprehension. And then lift the restrictions on you and we can get on with what life is supposed to be in our celestial bodies, exploring the infinite intricities of God's creations. And time means nothing up there. 
and this weather that we're in, it's like minus 30 here, it, it doesn't mean anything. We're not in these flesh bodies. And someone tried to argue with me about that the other day. And I said, look up into the sky, genius. What do you see? Do you understand infinity? Can't. Impossible. It's impossible. That's proof that we've been reduced and restricted to even comprehend infinity. Like the closest one to comprehend infinity was Buzz Lightyear in a cartoon. Yeah, it's infinity uh, and beyond. Yet that doesn't make any sense. We can't comprehend it. It's baffling to us. So think about that when you're thinking about, is there life out there? And I said to the genius, I said, genius, I am a high school dropout white trash. And I can tell you one thing, Mr. Genius, you don't comprehend infinity. Nobody does. Is there life out there? Look up there. Do you think there's life? He says, well, I assume so. Do you think it's flesh and blood? No, man. There's lots of different life out there. And it's celestial bodies. I shouldn't say lots of different life. I'm just saying there's life out there. Lots of life is what I meant to say. It's very busy. Ask Elisha's uh, armor bearer. Ask Jacob when he Jacob's ladder. And ask a Delta Airlines pilot if he's ever seen anything in the sky that can't be explained. There's life out there. They're all around us. Satan's the prince of the air right now. That means just all-encompassing of life. We're in these flesh bodies. And God didn't want to put us in these flesh bodies. He said he repented. But when God repents, it just means he sighed with disappointment. I didn't want to have to put you people through this. I have you reduced and restricted so you can come to terms with what's inside of you. If you can't see that your attitudes, uh, your attitudes in your household reflect to the world stage because you're all part of the human family, then... You can't come back into a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. You're going to have to go to hell for another thousand years. And there's a millennium period, a great time of teaching for those who didn't have a chance. And there's no excuse for people who did. They can sit on the hell side and look over and go, geez, I, you know, I just, I, like I was busy watching Netflix. I, just, I had to go to the mall. I needed more stuff. I had to go to my sporting events and do my things. I was busy, man. I was too busy. Well, you're not going to be too busy over there. Or maybe you will be. Cry on your face off. And we pray for you. And thanks for making life hell over here during the flesh age. Thanks for your part in it. Let's go to verse 11. No, I have not concealed thy loving kindness and thy truth from the great congregation. And never be ashamed of... Never be ashamed in the front of mockers or scoffers, ever. Get a working knowledge of the Bible and know what you get. A linear progression towards the truth. Thank you, God. In every logical and moral objection known to mankind, you have a linear progression towards the truth. And just watch. Mockers always have to go to theory, hypothesis, graphs, models, charts, some guy they perceive as being a genius because he wrote a book. Well, or put a document. I saw a documentary, Michael. You're wrong. You've been taught wrong. I saw a documentary. Yeah, on YouTube. Proves you're wrong. It's just like, okay, power of a scoffer always lies within accusation, never fact. Never. The facts are here. God tells us all things. Lord Jesus Christ tells us all things. It's going to be deception. Great deception. Wars and rumors of wars like never before. It's, it's, it's worldwide. It's like the planet's ready to rock, man. Any corner of the world. It's ready to go if it's not already going. Famine. You don't think there's a famine now? Famine's twofold in the Bible, by the way. If one in seven Americans are using food stamps, 
If 1.5 million people in Toronto, Ontario, Canada had to use the food bank in uh, 2021, and these are first world nations, the two strongest economies on planet Earth, what's it like in the other places around the world? Famine in the end times, according to Amos chapter 8:11, is for hearing God's word taught truthfully. People don't want to hear it. It's on an, you might hear it on an obscure podcast like this from some guy sitting in an abandoned house. That's me. Sitting in front of a microphone and just blindly uploading onto who knows where it goes. No clue. Get no feedback whatsoever. Who knows? Famine in the end times is for hearing the truth. If you want to hear a super preacher preach, oh, go on TV and just start dunking $100 bills down the TV slot there because that's, where he, that's what he wants. He's not going to teach you the truth. I watched a super preacher for years, several of them. And still, I couldn't open the Bible, to not even the first page. I didn't even understand Genesis chapter 1, let alone the rest of the book, all the way up to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. I didn't understand any of it. I had all these catchphrases. I could go around sound and holy. I could look holy. I could rock a cross, you know. I could, you know, rock a big cross around my neck or something. Maybe going to church, make sure everybody sees when I got that collection. But hey, my envelope is thicker than yours. Look at this. I be a good Christian. That's lip service. He doesn't want your fakeness. Sacrifice and offering. He doesn't desire. He wants your love, as it's written. Let's go to verse twelve. For innumerable evils have compassed me about. My iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. Yeah, when you get sucked into the ways and things of the world, that's what happens. They just drag you down. It's like a net. It's like a pit. It's called an ambush. It just, from side to side to side to side. Jesus Christ is trying to teach us. You know what? When Peter walked on water there, People are saying, like, yeah, what a slideshow. What a slideshow. Well, when we translate within the Bible, because the Bible contains its own glossary. And the glossary are these threads that run through the Bible. And the threads that run through the Bible that come to these two chapters are very interesting. They will, they interpret Acts chapter 10. But let's talk about when uh, Peter was walking on water. What was that? What are the waters? Hey, if you translate within the Bible, the waters are people's tongues, nations, multitudes, that's the waters. And when Peter looked down, what happened? He fell in. He's getting a flood. He's getting a flood. He's getting pressed. He's going to drown in there. It's like what happens when we walk out into the ways and things of the world. It feels like we're getting pressed from all angles. Like the more you make, the better you do. Oh, the more, you know, you're getting the vultures from the side. Want, want to take money from here. Want to take money from there. Try and keep up with the credit card. Oh, you have to buy more stuff. There's lots of pressure on you if you let it happen. But when Peter kept his eyes up and looked at Christ, he was able to walk across the waters. They're not going to suck you in. They're not going to drown you. They're not going to press you, put a yoke on you. How many analogies does the Bible have to use? Let's go to verse 11. Withhold not thy tender mercies from me, O Lord. Let thy loving kindness and thy truth continually preserve me. What preserves you? The truth, that great separating force that separates doubt from truth, is the truth. The great separating force, truth is the great separating force that separates good from evil, right from wrong, and heaven from hell. 
And doubt does not get in. Doubt is Satan's currency. Doubt is what all the scientists will put on the truth, the pseudoscience. Like when it, came to, when it comes back to, to nitrates, I don't know if I finished that, the billion dollar meat lobby, pork loaded with sodium nitrate. These nitrates are bad. A scientist will come up and say, hey, $68 billion uh, meat lobby. Yeah, don't put, yeah, nitrates are killing people. And the meat lobby will just hire a scientist and say, sell, sell some doubt here. And then what's, what's the true scientist going to do? What's his budget? Like 10 grand up against $68 billion meat lobby? Of course they're going to pay off scientists to say, hey, uh, well, sodium nitrate is inconclusive if it actually does cause certain cancer. And there, there you have it. Then they keep dumping it in our food. They did it to us in the 70s, 80s, 90s, all the way through. It causes cancer, and they know it, but they still dump it in there, especially pork, the lowest of all carnal flesh. God said, don't eat pork, and, that, and we're going to get onto that in the next podcast, Acts chapter 10. It's going to be a side study, a topical study, Acts chapter 10. I can't wait. I can't wait. Someone came over here with a ham for me. I was just like, dude, you come from the church and you bring me a ham? I think there's some biblical illiteracy going on there. Very nice, as it's written in the Bible. If someone offers you something, just say thank you. You know, I, you know, don't snub at it. Don't blow people out of the water. Be compassionate. Be nice. And then when they want to hear the truth, hey, what do you pick up? A science dialogue? A, a documentary? Or the Bible? First, the truth is a great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. Twelve, for innumerable, innumerable evils have compassed me about. My iniquities have taken hold upon me, so that I am not able to look out. They are more than the hairs of my head, therefore my heart faileth me. Yeah, you have to admit your iniquities, your sins. What about the sins you don't even know you're sinning? As you're developing and maturing as a Christian. What says you have to become perfect? That just means... Nobody's perfect, only the Lord Jesus Christ. The word perfect when it applies to us means loyal and maturing. Don't stunt yourself by stop studying the Bible and getting books about the Bible or getting too involved in churchy stuff that doesn't have anything to do with the Bible. Like I just cringe when I can't find a Bible study. I tried to start a Bible study around here and hardly anybody showed up, but it was starting to pick up, but then the, the space became unavailable. So then I'm, I'm driving around up here in Paisley. So oh, there's a church one Sunday morning. And I'll go in there because there's no one else at any of the other churches because of COVID, I guess. So I walk into the church. No Bible study. You know, the guy can only stand there for 20 minutes and do his sermon. And I really like this guy, Pastor Zach Thornton. This guy is going to be my best friend. I know he is. Young guy. But he's trying to teach in that short, you know, how much time do you have to do for a sermon? 30 minutes, 40, before people start yawning and falling asleep? No, a Bible study forces people to open their Bibles, sit around, and listen to a teacher teach it. Ask questions about the Bible. Don't question the Bible. Anyways, your iniquities. Okay, evil has compassed us about. And it's true. We're, we're, evil means uh, all-encompassing of life. That's Prince of the Air, Satan himself. Ephesians chapter 2, 2. 13. Be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, O Lord. Make haste to help me. Saying a prayer to the Lord, uh, deliver me. Yeah, why wouldn't he be pleased to deliver you? Well, if you're a heathen reprobate, lawless and reckless, and just carrying on following your own heart like you know better, selfish, greedy, self-indulgent attitudes of obscene entitlements, 
Do you think it's going to please him to deliver to deliver you? No. He's not going to he's going to say depart from me. You never got to get to know me. Like go over there. You go over there with the rich man and you guys can just tee off on each other and, and, and until your self-pride is just beat down to nothing. And then hopefully you'll turn back to the Lord and hopefully you won't get snuffed at Great White Throne. Because we want to get on with the eternity, man. Okay? Nobody likes seeing all this human suffering and heartache right now. Neither does your Heavenly Father. But it's on us. We perpetuate it. It's instigated by Satan and we perpetuate it. All the, all the evil in the world comes from the human heart. And you have to think when God said, oh, the evil in the world is right from their youth. What's that mean? Little kids got evil in them? We're carrying something. He gives us another example. Jacob and Esau, before they were even born. Jacob, I loved. Esau, I hated. How can you hate a kid that's not even born yet? God knows you from before. He knows what you're carrying. He says, you guys are the one third that fell. And you have to get that out of you. Or you can't come up into my universe and dwell amongst us if you're going to cause controversy and constantly cause poop. Like, I'm not going to set up prisons. I'm not going to set up courts. We all get along here. We come to an understanding of others. There's no greed and gluttony or finger pointing or blame or regret or anxieties or uncertainties or sniveling snot shows where, oh, poor me. If only so-and-so would have done this. Yeah, back in 2000, what the... 2000 whatever, the year 2000 whatever, you just keep going back and back. You can't live in the present if you're still living in the past. And you certainly got no chance at the future. You want to drag that with you? Jesus Christ said, hey, you got to unload your camel before you can come in this gate, dude. Simplest, uh, simplest analogy ever, which I still haven't heard anybody, I've heard one guy teach that properly. And I, I, I understand human frailty, okay? Verse 13, be pleased, O Lord, to deliver me, O Lord, make... Okay, I read that. Be pleased. You want to be pleasing to God. 14, let them be ashamed and confounded together that seek after my soul to destroy it. Let them be driven backward and put to shame that wish me evil. Oh, watch this. Let them be desolate for a reward of their shame that they say unto me, Aha! Pointing your finger at somebody is a pretty crappy reward. Okay, it stokes your ego for a short time. Yeah, 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 I'm better than that person. Look at that person. Yeah, I'm better than that person. Stoking your ego. It's a sugar high with the sugar crash that follows. When you realize being arrogant and aggressive is bullying and nobody likes you. We pray for your soul. But your little attitude, your spirit, the intellect of your soul sucks, man. And you can't come play in the kingdom of heaven if you think you're better than someone else. If you think you have entitlement over someone else. If you think you can buy your way in there. Or if you think you have pretty privilege. Too bad. Go play somewhere else. Nobody likes you. We pray for you. We love you because you're one of our brothers or sisters. But we don't love your attitude. And your attitude is your spirit, your character, the intellect of your soul. Your soul is what you are. You're a human being. We all are. We're all part of the human family. No one asked to get born. No one had control over that. Worst word on planet Earth, racism. Really? You bring that around here. Bring that terminology around here. I, like, I, I, it would be difficult for me to hold back. I'm telling you. It's the stinkiest worst word on planet Earth. Second worst word, refugee. Can you imagine 
rolling up on somebody and saying, pack your stuff. Yeah, pack your shit into that suitcase there and split your... Yeah, this isn't your house. This isn't even your country. Get lost. Or making the country unlivable and then a human being drifting around planet. Yeah, no, you don't belong here. You don't belong here. Racist attitudes, refugee. Are you kidding me? Those are the two worst words on planet Earth. Worst. Who do you think you are to treat other human beings like that? It's just brutal. That's just pointing your fingers at someone. Aha, we're better than them because we were born here. Yeah, we were born here. We're better than those people over there. Well, just watch it. That's your reward. Stoke your ego for a short time. It's a sugar high, a sugar crash that follows. We have to look at everybody through God's eyes. Again, we're all part of the human family. We're supposed to be taking care of each other, not pointing weapons at each other, not fighting with each other, parading through the street, burning stuff. We're trying to erase history. It's You know what? In Canada here, on every single cenotaph, which is a, a monument to the war, it says, lest we forget. And I ask people, what's that mean? What's that mean? Lest we forget. That just means like, uh, it means for fear that we forget. So stop pulling down monuments from the past because we're going to forget what happened in the past. We have to learn from what happened. And we still have no chance at governing ourselves because people self-pride and they just get, they just think they have something to prove to somebody all the time. It's like when you're, even in a relationship, when you're sitting there talking, they don't agree with you. What if you're with a contentious person? The Bible says it's better to split and go live in the wilderness than live with a contentious person. Because, they, because in every situation when something goes wrong, someone has to be blamed. Oh, it's his fault. It's your fault. It's so-and-so's fault. Get over it, man. When it's a perfect world, let me know. And it won't be you letting me know. It will be the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Like, consider human frailty. It's not about blaming so you can stoke your own ego. Yeah, it wasn't my fault. I was right. He was wrong. He was. He was wrong. Or you just fabricate something to try and make yourself feel better. You know? Let those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Yeah, stop seeking your own heart. Seek God's heart. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, The Lord be magnified. Help glorify, magnify, and broadcast God's saving word. Now watch this. But I am poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Listen, that's not what that means, okay? I go back to the manuscripts for you, and let's see what this really means. Now, I read the original Hebrew language. It's a fixed language, and we'll talk about that another day. If someone can help me with the website, I could start blogging again. And uh, I, I can tell you my blogging will be, be much more uh, in-depth and clearer than it was before. But I had to develop as a teacher, too. It's called maturing. And the love of Christ constantly, I pray for in my heart. But let's go. But I am needy and poor. Watch this. This word poor, the prime root is the same word. That means meek, humble, humility, and affliction. So this is what this verse is supposed to read. The message being conveyed. I'll try and articulate it to you. I am willingly humble. I am willingly meek. I am willingly afflicting myself with self-discipline. I am willingly saying no to myself in the face of all the worldly temptations and vain curiosities. What's being said here? That's what needy means, willingly. It means 
opposite of grudgingly. If you do something grudgingly, it's useless. It's just not in you. You're being a scorekeeper. You're doing it grudgingly. I did your dishes. I did your laundry. Yeah, I brought home a paycheck and bought some food for your large buttocks. Okay? No, you can't be like that. You have to, it's all about the human family. It's love and compassion. We want to get to a place like that. It's a place of safety, a place of completeness. When God says the new Jerusalem in the book of Revelation, he's saying, not Jerusalem like we see now. It's God's favorite place, but not now. The new Jerusalem means the etymology of the word Jerusalem, a place of safety, a place of completeness, a place of peace, a place where we've come to an understanding of others. It's not a place of confrontation. It's a place of peace beyond our present comprehension. We can't even comprehend it right now. But that's where we want to go. And we want everybody to be there. Yet the Lord thinketh upon me. Thou art my help and my deliverer. He is your salvation. Your savior. Your redeemer. Your deliverer. Your kinsman redeemer. Whomsoever will. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. Make no tarry, O my God. Make no tarrying. In other words, we're referring to the great Hosanna. Hosanna, my Lord Jesus Christ. Save us, save us, save us. That took way longer than I thought. I thought I could blow through two chapters here. But anyways, yeah, I'm sitting here all by myself. If you want to come around, this is Side Road 28-29, Paisley, Ontario, Canada. That's Paisley, Ontario, Canada. The postal code here is N0G2N0. Yeah, I'm sitting here living in grinding poverty with no uh, running water, no electricity. And now almost no firewood, and it's minus 30 outside. If you, you know what? Like, I don't want anything for myself. I just want to broadcast, magnify, and glorify God's saving word. I just want to be, make a broadcasting center here. That's it. That's it. I left the ways and things of the world. I don't want nothing. It's had to be with a bunch of people that want to help magnify, glorify, and broadcast God's saving word. And that's what I want to do here. Anyone that wants to get involved, if you ever send money to the Companion Chapel, it's a registered nonprofit. And I appreciate the donations. I really need firewood. I really need insulation because it's freezing here. I went to do this podcast yesterday and I was sitting here and, you know, the cold crawls up the back of your arms. Then across the top of your back and then, then you got to bounce, man. You can't just sit and I got to go. I got to go find some firewood. You know, okay, I, I found this pile. It's getting lower and lower. It's, it's garbage anyway. It's crappy firewood. It's wet. But yeah, I appreciate it. And... You know, it's just a full-time job now in the winter. It's just me and my little doggy here. My little doggy, Landell Ray. It's a nice big property right on the river. 77 acres of God-given property. It doesn't belong to me. It says on paper it does, but it belongs to the Lord. Everything belongs to God. Give it up for God in your whole human family. Companionchapel.com. Help out with the website. Help out with this podcast. What do you want to do? Video podcast? What do you want to do together? It's up to you. I'm looking for my spot in the many-member body. My spot is teaching the Bible. I have no skills in administration, marketing, advertising, nothing. If that's your God-given talent, God expects you to use it in the many-membered body of Christ. I want to thank you very much for listening. Have yourself a great day. God bless you. Bye for now.